Welcome to Nader and Noor with Clarion Call. This podcast is for people working together for change that benefits people, place and planet. At Clarion Call, we believe that the big social challenges of our day can only be achieved by people working together. Nader and Noor is produced on Jara Country, the custodians and caretakers of this land for tens of thousands of years. We would like to thank them for their care that they have taken and continue to take of this country. This land always was and always will be Aboriginal land, and we note that this land was never ceded. I'm Sharon Fraser, and I'm one of the founding directors of Clarion Call. Welcome to Series 2 of Natter and Noor. In the first series of Natter and Noor, we explored the key elements needed to build and hold collective action. We did a lot of teasing out on how to build a movement for change. What we learned from this is that there are frequently places in initiatives, networks and collaborations where people get stuck. At these times, the work can be derailed at worst and at best delayed. We believe that if we understand what's behind getting stuck, can define it, describe it, then we can design ways of getting unstuck. We thought this would be a good natural next step for the Natter and Noor conversations. So in series two, we're focusing on how to navigate the sticky bits when working together for social change with a focus on where people get stuck and unstuck. We'll be chatting to people from around Australia and internationally who are working with others to tackle the big social challenges that we are all facing today as communities and as nations. We want to pick their brains about how to understand and navigate the sticky bits. Today, the first day of our new series, we're really pleased to introduce Dimity Podger. Dimity's work has a focus on regenerative enterprises, economy and communities. And I'll leave it to Dimity to tell you a bit more about herself. First up though, Dimity, can you tell us what country you're joining from today? Thanks, Sharon. It's lovely to be here. I am joining from Darawal country here on the south coast of New South Wales. It's a beautiful part of Australia where the escarpment uh, meets the ocean. It's gorgeous and really like to pay my respects to the Wadi Wadi people of this country and acknowledge ancestors' past and really look forward to having this conversation with you, Sharon, and learning more with you actually about this topic. Beautiful. Thanks, Dimity. And I can see that it's a lot warmer there than it is here in Jara country, which is in central Victoria. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I was in the Blue Mountains actually on the weekend and as we came down the mountain, it just got warmer and more tropical feeling, although, Mm. you know, yeah, it's beautiful today. It's 22 degrees. Lovely. So, Dimity, as we're starting our conversation today, can you tell us what will inform the conversation today? So, what is it about your background that you think it would be good to share that will inform where you're coming from today? That's a really nice question. What frameworks, worldview, I guess, I bring to this work? One of the areas that I've more recently been delving into is regenerative frameworks from Carol Sanford's writing and programs, books, as well as the Regenesis Institute. I was able to do their regenerative practitioner program 
a year, nearly two years ago and have found really leaning into the frameworks there helpful in highlighting the systems that I'm working in and the living systems that we can, in our work, design for mutual value creation for people and planet and communities. So I'm really bringing that that work. And I'm an early early learner, so part of that is that my background's also in education for sustainability. I did a PhD in looking at how do we bring spirituality into how we learn for sustainability, and that was back in kind of the I finished that in 2009 and within that I bring the action research frame how do we learn about systems through shifting them and evolving our understanding and our sense of systems by changing them and really leaning into the principles of justice and equity there's Mm. a few other things that I bring Sharon but those are those are two primary ones and I guess the third which is an ever-present touchstone for me, which is the work that I do in the faith community that I'm part of, which is the Baha'i community and the community building work and the approach to really growing the capabilities at the grassroots to create unified and loving and welcoming communities and doing the work at the grassroots to do to do that. So that's where I'm mm-hmm. coming from. You may well have answered this question in the last part of what you've just said, but just in case you wanted to add something else, can you tell us something that you're working on with others at the moment that really excites you and why? Thanks, Sharon. So something that I'm working on at the moment that really excites me is growing a startup uh, with a team called the Regenerative Enterprise Labs, Regen Labs for short, and we are building on the work that myself and team members would, did at WWF Australia through the Innovate to Regenerate program, which was part of WWF's kind of focus and mission to regenerate Australia post-bushfires, really digging into how do we grow community resilience, how do we um, really build for the future. And our team was really focused on how do we transition to a regenerative economy by supporting regenerative enterprises and community-led enterprises and foregrounding First Nations culture and leadership and innovation. And so that work was really beautiful, working in the regions, coming from a large NGO like that and wanting to really work side by side and build on and support whatever was emerging in three regional communities so I, I, I guess I bring that experience to this work. The work that I was doing was around the local learning lab, which is a two-day, I, I guess, a pre-accelerator for regenerative enterprises and a region ecosystem to come together, to meet each other, network, find opportunities for collaboration, learn some stuff about regenerative business models, and then launch what's next for them in those places and worked with a wonderful team from Taxi and within WWF and also a workshop that was based on the film Regenerating Australia, created by Regen Studios with Damon Gamow and partnership with WWF. And there was a workshop that was designed to go with that and that workshop was really to 
foster and um, kindle ideas at the grassroots for regeneration. And my role was to support community leaders and teams who wanted to run that and to Mm. guide them through Mm. that. And so the Regen Enterprise Labs team is now really blessed with this opportunity to continue to support the portfolio of regenerative projects that came through the Innovate to Regenerate Challenge and to continue the work of growing place-based regeneration and evolving finance to be regenerative and Mm. analytic. Yeah. Mm. So I'm excited about that. And the thing that's really exciting me as well about that is that We've really tried to weave the principles of regeneration and regenerative frameworks into our work and we have moments through the week where we're checking in with those principles and what are the rhythms that bring regenerative uh, frameworks and principles to life in the building of this enterprise. Fantastic. Beautiful ambition and ambitious. Very, very good. Very amazing. So you had have had lots of different touch points along the way where you've needed to work with others, either in initiatives or between organisations or in in the group that you're currently working on, the partnership that you're currently working within. When work is going well and it is successful in having people work together for social change, what does that look like? What are the ingredients that you see? What are the elements that you see in the system that is really making that success land? Some elements that I notice and that we're uh, intentional about is regular alignment around our vision and how we're going about working towards that vision. And in the early stages of any project or enterprise, regularly returning to that is so important. The other thing that we're working on, and this is true of a number of teams that I've worked with around this in this area, the opportunity to trust one another, to work on the pieces that we're stewarding with our strengths and really encouraging each other and supporting each other in those um, pieces of work that we might be responsible for or leading on and then being able to check in with the team just to ensure we're on the right track and and so on. And I know where things sometimes get stuck is where we, with that clarity of role and clarity of direction and expectations and who's doing what <laughs> gets becomes quite fluid. So creating a culture in the team where you can have conversations about that is really important. And I know that from experience because I've been in situations where I, I haven't created that culture or I've been in a situation where somebody else has created that culture where we've been able to to address where things have gone off the rails. So that's right. a, another thing. I think the other thing that f- when it feels like we're working well together is where we can build on each other's work in a very organic way. There's a flow to when we're working together as a team and you can feel the the unity, I guess, in the, in the group. And there's a lovely kind of build and, and, and creative atmosphere that emerges. Mm. That real clarity and that clarity of purpose, that clarity of role, 
that trust building that you get when people are showing up to do the pieces that they're strong in and allowing room and space for others to also have a go at what they're feeling strong in and that building that environment to hold that type of work sounds to me like some incredible ingredients for what success looks like. And you've mentioned this a little bit, but of course, because this work is work that none of us have ever done before and it's looking at complexity and it's looking at systems change and it's looking at regenerating something and within that regeneration there will be new generative things that happen as well. It's not always about recreating something but at times it's about creating things that have never been here before. So, of course, none of us know what to do. And we've got some bits of hows to do, but none of us know really what to do. So it's easy for things to get stuck. So not only as teams, but it's easy for the work to get stuck as well. So I'd be interested to explore with you about what the stuck looks like. When when has this work, when working with others on complex social issues, where does it get stuck? One of the experiences I've had in this work where things have gotten stuck in the process of trying to create something new, we were moving very quickly to test something. So mm-hmm. we were creating a, a program that we had a view through evidence that it was going, it was what was wanted and needed. So it was capability building around regenerative enterprise in the regions. What form should this take? What should it look like? How do we involve the local community as the protagonists of their own future, who needs to be involved. And so that's quite a a complex arrangement where you're working in a a system that you're personally not in and growing relationships to support and just give air to the wings of the people who are in, in the place. And then understanding that one of the reasons why we're not moving forward is that we don't actually have the right people in the room. Mm-hmm. So who are the right people when in a conversation? And one of the things we experienced was it took time in one place to build relationships with um, the First Age Nations elder of that place. And once that relationship was authentically developed and she was on our team and was like the lead advisor it things became unstuck so the wisdom that was not in the room came into the room for this program to really take flight and so it was a real message that this work is place-based this work is of the people, by the people, the the historical ground, the cultural, the ecological landscape of a place and culture of a place needs to be involved in the work and however you might do that. And for us, it was ensuring that we were guided like, anyway, just novices, Padawans to, to the master in many respects with our First Nations cultural advisor we got stuck because we were seeking to be regenerative and we were we, we were trying to develop a program that wasn't as grounded in in place and the ancient nature of that place and as well as the vision for the future 
which, yeah, once that landed, we were able to move forward. And where else have you seen that this work gets stuck? That's a beautiful example. Where else have you seen that this work gets stuck? I think this work sometimes gets stuck when we don't have a generosity of spirit towards one another. So, for example, there may be many different players in energy or ag or food or whatever it might be, a particular sector. There might be people in a place who've traditionally had leadership roles and what we're trying to create is something that's new and we need to, I feel, involve all the players and all of the system and learn from one another and make space for one another to contribute their strengths, their energy, their loves, their you know, their qualities, their view of the future. And if we're parochial about our work or our role or our situation in or you know historical situation our functional power it causes heartache and and distrust and one of the mindsets I think that's really important is having a really generous spirit of collaboration and cooperation and it's the antithesis really of what our current economy is so our economy is about competition Back in the 90s, it was all about let's get competition into all of the policies. The National Competition kind of Commission, that all all sort of the whole survival of the fittest, etc. Whereas the wonderful principle that's embedded in nature around re- reciprocity and mutual aid and cooperation are the principles that are so important for a new way. And we're learning what that looks like. So we're going to make mistakes and Some people will be left out and there's going to be a lot of inner work that Carol Sanford writes about where we try and understand more about ourselves and showing up in a a more generous spirit. So that's just one reflection I have there. I don't don't know if you've experienced that, Sharon, Mm. that resonates with you. Yeah, absolutely. Not only in the economic system, there are so many things across the dominant culture and the dominant system, which is about self first, family second, and community third or last, you know, and that plays out in how we show up when we partner so that people can show up to what is it, what is in this for me? What is in this for my organization? If my organization isn't going to get money out of this, then why am I around the table? that we are here to grow our services that we deliver, our budget. We're here to get others to see that our way of doing this work is the way of doing this work. And so therefore, people just need to do what we're doing rather than us listen to others. And and I think that that, that, that plays out across the system a lot and really cuts across collaboration a lot in a lot of different places. And that notion that you've brought in, that whole notion of reciprocity and that the piece is about listening and learning and shifting that is needed to achieve reciprocity, I'd really like to explore with you around the where, where there is this, where there is this sticky piece around that lack of trust or showing up for self rather than showing up for the purpose or that you talked about before, I'd really like to explore what getting unstuck in that might look like and where you've 
either seen it, pieces that you've read or just ideas that you've had around when this happens, what do we do to move past it and to keep people on the journey and also get unstuck? Thanks for the question. There's an element of not forcing it. And going back to perhaps first principles of building the relationships, another is doing the work that you can do and inviting collaboration, inviting connection, showing the way in, in, in many respects. The other piece that I'm, I'm thinking about here is when things get stuck and things can get unstuck. And one of the real challenges that First Nations-led enterprises were sharing with the Innovate to Regenerate team were the lack of access to capital and land due to colonisation and to do work on country and with culture and to grow community wealth, access is needed. And by bringing people together with land, with capital, with First Nations entrepreneurs, by putting them in a space to collaborate and work out what they each have to share and contribute, there are opportunities in that for cooperative models to emerge. So sometimes there's a stuckness that comes from a system not being connected and when a system is connected in a way that is holding space for possibility and potential, then it's more likelihood that that possibility and potential potential is going to emerge. Can you give us an example of where you've seen that happen? Yes. An example of when I saw that happen was through the local learning lab that WWF and Taxi hosted with the Adelaide Hills and Flurio region and the host partner there was Mount Barker District Council and our local project coordinator was Matthew Wright-Simon and together we were working on this program and the participants who came were a variety of sectors and industries so there was an organisation called Topsoil, which is kind of gardening, restaurants, addressing employment for disabilities. There were regenerative farmers. There were people who were looking at tree recovery on farming country, native flora, basket weaving. There was a range of businesses in, in the room. And there was also an Indigenous entrepreneur, Dave Booth, who works in cultural learning and consultancy around that and also has his own business in art and leading workshops. And he was at the table with a regenerative farmer who had been wanting to regenerate his land. And so the the two of them went, oh, okay, we can do this together. Mm -hmm. I have land, you have a consultancy, I need your, and then we can also share this as a model for other farmers. So it was this lovely collaboration. There was another person in the room who had land that wasn't really doing very much and there were some young people in the room who wanted to start a regenerative farm but didn't have land. <laughs> so this this person with land said, well, why don't you use mine? So mm-hmm. they work out how to work together and there's a value exchange there and it's a it's a meaningful vision-aligned connection and it's very it's generous of spirit and recognizes that those of us with land and those without land 
there's not necessarily a rhyme or reason to it. Hmm. How can we share these resources um, that benefit uh, the whole? That's a lovely example. And it's it really is a lesson, as you say, in creating space for people to just explore with each other. And it's you often go into collaborative spaces and they're over-curated, they're over-controlled, over-agended. So that whole notion of let's just create some conditions here for people to be able to explore safely and come up with something that they might want to do together, we've never thought of, and I I think is an incredible way of unsticking the the drive and and, um, interest that people have in strengthening their own communities. So we're coming to the end of our time, although I could chat to you for ages. I'd be really interested in this whole area, are there any takeaway messages or words of wisdom or it might even just be one thing that you wanted to make sure you got said today that you haven't had an opportunity to say? One of the things I'd really like to take on for myself and that I think is important in this work is where am I in the unstuck, stuck piece? How am I preparing my inner condition, my mindset, my skills, what I know, my values? How am I preparing myself for the context, the situation? And how how are the conditions being prepared for that context that really helps others prepare to engage. So that then when there's a stuck moment, there's a held sense of mutual commitment that this is a this is going to require growth. We can do this. And yes, we're going to have difficult conversations, maybe difficult barriers that we need to address. How are we going to address those and, and how are we going to show up? I think Margaret Wheatley's book, Who Are We Choosing to Become and Islands of Sanity and what is the work that we can do and how do we show up to do that work? Who are we becoming to evolve the systems towards a becoming that's mm. healthy for the whole? That would be one of my hard-earned lessons. That's a great word of wisdom to leave the conversation today on. Thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate the thought and consideration and your openness at sharing some of the tricky things that happen when we get stuck, both personally in the work and when collaborations get stuck and initiatives get stuck. So thanks very much for being so open and honest with us, Dimity. That's beautiful. It's been a pleasure, Sharon. Thank you. So what will happen now is this podcast will be available on clarioncall.com.au website. It will also be available on Spotify or just go to your favourite podcasting app and search for Natta and Noor. We're looking forward to our next conversation where we will be exploring from another couple of people actually's position of what it is to be doing this complex work and where things get stuck and how do we get unstuck.